Now you can be seated. <laughs> oh, we are alive and well here at Grace Chapel. A um, couple of quick things before I jump into my sermon. I want to talk a little bit about the year-end giving for two reasons. Number one, we have families within the body of Christ here and within our community that we, um, we want to make sure that we're taking care of. Uh, these are families who are, uh, have been a part of our church, who are a part of our church, who invest in our church, who've been um, members of the church. Um, and you know that I know the difference between a sluggard and someone who is just going through a difficult time. So when I ask you for things like this, you understand I'm not just generalizing, saying, hey, let's just give all our money away. But we need some extra funds in the elders' funds for people within the church who are just struggling um, a little bit extra this, this Christmas. Um, food, maybe some clothing for the kids, extra presents under the tree, just to take some of the sting out of this time of year. So if you, have a, if you feel in your heart that the Holy Spirit is leading you to maybe support a family, just put something in the offering and put, you know, elders fund on there, put it on your check or put it in the little envelope and put that on there and we'll make sure it gets in the right place. These are families, I wish I, wish I could share with you uh, some of the stories that I have, but I can't. If it was Africa or it was Mexico or it was India, I could share some of these things and you, I could show you a video and those kinds, but not people within the church and what people within the community. A lot of people in our community just in need. And so if you, have, if you feel in your heart that God is leading you to do that, please either talk to me or put an offering in there. That would be great. Second, if you want to take some stress off your pastor, this is really important, okay? <laughs> there it is. Say amen. amen. All right, there we go. Um, if you want to take some stress off your pastor, um, we need, it's no longer we can put it off or whatever else. We've done so much work on this facility. We need to pave the parking lot, okay, for two reasons. Number one, it will look fantastic. That's not the most important reason. Number two, the, the water problem that we're having on this property for years, it just gets, it's, we, we've, we, we try everything we can to remedy it, but it's really difficult. Behind the Grace Impact Center, you have those railroad tracks. The water runs down. Like last night, we try to pour four inches of concrete in the back area. It just went right over it and went into the building. So if we can get the blacktop put down and redo the parking lot, it not only makes it look beautiful, ties everything together, it also eliminates all the puddles that you guys have to try to get through. The river runs through it right here in front of the church. All that will go away because we'll be able to, you know, they'll be able to, to mold it so it fits perfectly with our situation as a church, not an old manufacturing building. So please consider your year-end giving, stock transfer, whatever you can. We're going to need a decent amount. It's going to cost over about, I'd say about $100,000 to finish off that parking lot and do the things we need to do to literally run the water away from that building. It's all, the whole parking lot runs down toward the building. I don't know what genius has figured that out, but I guess when it was manufacturing, you needed it. But we need to run the water away from the building. All that can take place if we redo the parking lot. So I want you to just consider that and pray about it and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart on that issue. Because honestly, it takes way too much of my mental energy to figure out how to deal with these things. Way too much of my energy, way too much of uh, the staff's energy to figure out how to deal with these things. Uh, is Lisa, are you there? Can you please go over and turn that air, this air conditioner on? Before I get started, it's, it's warm. So we'll turn that on for a second. And then if it gets too chilly, just turn it back off, okay? Thank you so much. All right. We're still on the Remnant series. And we're going to stay in the Remnant series until the first, of, the first part of January. 
And this morning, I want to share with you as we begin a story. Lee, a reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and a self-professed atheist was sitting at his desk on Christmas Eve. A slow news day, he found himself reminiscing about the Delgado family that he had featured while he was writing a series of articles about Chicago's neediest people for a few, a few days earlier. The Delgados were comprised of a grandmother named Perfecta and her two granddaughters, Jenny, age 13, and her sister, Lydia, 11. He remembered, how, uh, he remembered how unprepared he was when he walked into the two-room apartment on the west side of Chicago for the interview. Bare halls, bare walls, no furniture, no rugs, nothing in the kitchen but a kitchen table and a handful of rice in the cupboard. He learned during the interview that Jenny and Lydia had only one short-sleeved dress, a piece, plus a thin gray sweater that they shared on cold days when the girls walked a half mile to school one of the girls would start with the sweater and then give it to her sister halfway through. It was all they had. Perfecta wanted more for her granddaughters and would gladly have worked, but her severe arthritis and age made work too difficult and painful. Since it was a slow news day, Lee decided to check out a car and drive to Chicago's west side to check on the Delgados. When Jenny opened the door, he couldn't believe what he saw. His article on the Delgados had, 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 had touched the hearts of so many subscribers who responded with furniture and appliances and rugs and dozens of coats and scarves and gloves. The girls would not have to share a sweater any longer. There were cartons and cartons and boxes of food everywhere. They had so much food that the cupboard and closet couldn't contain it. Someone even donated a Christmas tree and under it were mounds of presents and thousands of dollars in cash. Lee was astonished. But what astonished him even more was, was what was happening with Perfecta and her grandchildren. They were preparing to give most of it away. Why would you give so much of this away, Lee asked. Perfecta responded, our neighbors are still in need. We cannot have plenty while they have nothing. This is what Jesus would want us to do. Lee was dumbfounded. After regaining his composure, he asked Perfecta another question. He wanted to know what she and the girls thought about the generosity that was shown to them. Again, Lee was not prepared for the answer. She said this. This is wonderful. This is very good. We did nothing to deserve this. It's all a gift from God. But, she added, this is not his greatest gift, Lee. No, we celebrate that tomorrow in Jesus Christ. Lee was speechless. He, he, as he drove back to the office, in, in the quietness of his car, he noted a couple of observations. He had plenty, along with it, plenty of anxiety. While the Delgados, despite their poverty, had peace. Lee had everything and yet wanted more. But the Delgados had nothing and yet knew generosity. Lee had everything, and yet his life was as bare as the Delgado's apartment prior to the article running. And yet the Delgado's, who had nothing, were filled with hope, contentment, and had a spiritual certainty. Even though Lee had so much more than the Delgado's, he longed for the peace they had in their poverty. You see, I believe that every single person here, me included, wants to have peace in their lives. We want peace in our lives. 
We want to be able to, if you will, and you'll all understand what I'm saying, especially if you're a little older, you want to be able to rest your mind. Not think about all the things that, that are weighing down on you. Not think about the future and what might be coming and how to deal with the present and how to do this. And we want, we want to be free from worry. We want to be free from anxiety. We want to enjoy life with, 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 with family and friends and, and, and even work and, and church and just the activities of life. We want to enjoy those things. We want, to be able to, we want to be able to enjoy ourselves and not be burdened down with the worries that rob us of living a life of, of purpose and meaning. That's what I think every single person on this planet wants. They want peace. They want to find that joy. They want to have like Lee. They want that contentment. You look at someone else, I've been around different parts of the world and I find it amazing that I can go into a a, a village in Africa and the people there have more contentment with nothing than many of us have with almost everything, if you will, compared to them. People want to have that kind of peace And, and when they can't find it, if they can't find it, they become discouraged. They become depressed. They even become angry and they lash out at the people around them. They even lash out at God because the frustration of of life, the, the stresses and the anxiety and the worries and the fears just become overwhelming. And so they start to they start to fear bite, if you will, the people around them. So the question is: how can we, how can you and I experience real peace? Where do we start? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter four, verses six through nine. If not, it'll be up here on the screen. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, I love the Bible, I really do. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have received, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I mean, that's a great verse of scripture. That's a great passage of scripture. From these verses... Let me share four ways that we can experience real peace. Four ways that you and I, not just during this Christmas season, this isn't just a Christmas sermon, peace on earth, goodwill, torment. This is talking about peace that Jesus Christ brings to us. How can we experience peace all the time in our lives? We share four ways we can do that. First, you can experience peace by trusting God. By trusting God. The Bible says, first thing it says is, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. You see, worry, worry means that we're not trusting God. I'm not going to beat up on us for it. Just expressing a reality, okay? A truth. Worry, when we worry and we get overwhelmed by these things, it really shows, and that it's something you can work on and I can work on, that we're not trusting God. See, the word for anxious in the Greek means to be troubled by the concerns of this world. So when you're anxious, it means that you're troubled by all the concerns of this world. 
what's going on around you. You get overwhelmed by it. See, when we talk, I really believe this, when we talk about things like peace and joy and contentment, many people, even sitting here this morning, are thinking, you see, I hear this, and it's a neat sermon, and it's a, it's a feel-good kind of sermon, but I don't, I don't think it's possible. So many people think that what I just described is impossible. If that's you, let me share a biblical principle with you that may help. God is never going to ask us to do something that he's not going to give us the power to do. God is not going to ask us to do something that he's not going to give us the strength to achieve. It's just, he, when he asks us to do something, he will give us the power to accomplish what he's asking us to do. God is not going to put us in a position where he's just basically toying with us, if you will. We strive for it, but we can never truly achieve it. It's not going to happen. If you think about it, if you remember Andrew in John chapter 6, Jesus is speaking to the 5,000. There was more than 5,000, 5,000 men, but there was women and children there too. So he's speaking to thousands of people, if you will. The disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, send these people away. They're going to need something to eat. So send them, send them back home. Send them off. Jesus turns to the disciples and, and he says to them, hey, I have a better idea. You feed them. You feed them. Now, the disciples are probably all thinking, most are thinking, that's ridiculous. That's impossible. We don't even have, we don't have the money. We don't have the resources. We're not going to be able to feed all these people. Send them home. Send them away. Make sure they get something to eat. Andrew, on the other hand, starts to think to himself, wait a second. Jesus Christ is not going to ask me to do something that he's not going to give me the ability to do. And that's when Andrew then brings that little boy with the fish and the loaves. And then Jesus uses the fish and loaves. And the little boy wasn't, he didn't have a cart, like, you know, a monster cart where it's like, a, you know, those carts where you can feed people off the cart. He was, that's not what he was doing. He had a little basket of fish and loaves of bread. And Jesus took those and multiplied them and fed everyone. Andrew understood that biblical principle. Jesus is not going to ask me to do something that he's not going to give me the ability to do. You need to remember the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you, lives in me, and that means we have the power to live by faith. We do within us. When you ask Christ to come into your life, he, he came into your life. The Holy Spirit lives in you as well. And when, 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 we, when we, have, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we have the ability to live by faith. We have the ability to do what God is asking us to do and not to worry about the problems, not to be consumed by, if you will, the problems of this world. We have that ability within us through the Holy Spirit of God. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a spirit living in us. So we are able to trust God even when we don't know what the future is going to bring. Some of us are so consumed about the future. What's going to happen? What's going to happen when this, if this happens and that happens? We go through these scenarios in our minds. We overwhelm ourselves with what might happen, what might be. And God is saying to us, listen, I'm in control. 
trust me. Trust me. You can trust me. I have it all. I, I am in control of it all. You're in control of nothing. I'm in control of it all. You just need to trust me on this. One of the, one of the first scriptures that I, that I ever read and really memorized, I, I, I just, I said to myself, man, this, this one, I have to own this one. I really need to read this over and over and over again. One of the first scriptures that I ever read right after I gave my life to Jesus Christ was Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to pick a few of the verses out. It says this, Therefore, I tell you, listen to these words. If you have your Bibles or just write down a piece of paper, so you can go home and underline it in your Bible. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Verse 27. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly, fathers know, heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that true? I think, just a little side note here, I think part of our, our problem, including myself, is that because we, because we live in a country where you don't die from drinking water, we have plenty of food, we have clothing, most of us have plenty of even vehicles and all the other things that, you know, that are out there, I think sometimes we come up with other things to consume ourselves with, to worry about. And that's not always a good thing. So whether it's you're struggling because you don't have the finances for clothes or food or whatever the case may be, or you have those things and you're worrying about something else, you're consumed with something else, something else is weighing down in your mind, it doesn't matter. God is saying, hey, trust me. Give those things over to me. Trust me with them. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, I love this, and it's cast all your anxiety, cast all of your anxiety. What does that mean? The troubles and concerns of this world, the troubles and all the concerns, that you, the things that you're troubled by in this world. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Think about that. He wants you to throw it, he wants you to give it all to him. You are carrying around such burdens in your life right now. You're worrying about this and what might happen with this person in your life and this relationship and what's going to happen over here and what if we don't have enough finances for this and what do we, and God is saying, hey, there are biblical principles that will help you with all of those things. Not only that, give them over to me. We'll work on them together, but I want you to stop being anxious and worrying about them. I want you to let those things go. Give them over to me. I know, I understand, that's what it says. The Heavenly Father knows we need these things. And there's not a darn thing you and I can do about it most of the time by worrying. There are principles that we can follow that help us get out of some of those things and God will help us. But worrying won't add one single hour to our lives. In John chapter 14, in verse one, it says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Trust me, trust me. There's something I do uh, in, in services and I wanna do it this morning. Um, 
And I think most of you have been here long enough where you'll understand what I'm going to do. I say get it, and you say what? All right, and I say good. Let's try that again. Get it? Good, okay? So when I go through and I say get it, you say? Good, all right. So John 14, 1 tells us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. God doesn't want us to worry. Instead of worrying, God wants us to put our trust in him. He wants us to lay it at his feet. He wants the burden on his back. He died on a cross for us so that we can lay all these things at his feet. We can take them all off the internal struggles that we face. We can give them over to him as we trust in him. Get it? Good. Okay. Number two, we can experience real peace by praying. This is mind-boggling, isn't it? You guys are shocked. You never heard that before. Now, I want you to think about this. This is really profound. It really is. We can experience real peace by praying. And there's some deep theology behind this, and I'm just going to make it simpler, but I want you to think about what I'm saying. Verse 6 says this, But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. God, I am so, I don't have the resources that I need right now to do this or do that. I, on, on the way out, people were saying, hey, you shouldn't worry about that parking lot. Have peace. I said, hey, you give more. I won't worry. Um, <laughs> No, but God doesn't, he wants us, he wants us to come to him. And so the Bible tells us in verse six, it says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. God, I need this. God, I'm really struggling here. God, I'm worried about this. And you pray about those things. God cares about every, this is a mistake. And I, no matter how much I say this, um, people just keep this kind of negative, this not negative, wrong thinking in their minds. God cares about every detail of your life, not just the overwhelming things, all things. If it matters to you, it matters to him. And people will say, well, I don't want to bother God with this because God has to worry about people who have, you know, these diseases and God has to worry about people who are really, really poor. God has to worry about all these people that have all these emotional. No, he can take, listen, he's God. He's got it all worked out. If a hangnail is really bothering you, Pray about it. Oh, this hangnail. Lord, help me with the hangnail. You know what I mean? Anything that's bothering you, if it matters to you, it matters to him. That's what I mean. Not just the overwhelming things, not just the things that are burdening you to the point where you can't stand it anymore. Maybe if you go to him with the simple things, those simple things won't become such large things. He cares. We need to go to him in prayer on all of these things. Philippians chapter four tells us that, that, that God's peace, God's peace will guard our hearts and our minds and will give us strength. He will give us strength because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Listen to me. Those of you who have given your lives to Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you have access to the very throne of God. You think, well, big deal. I've always gone to be able to go to God the Father and pray to him. I've always been able to do that. But not in the past. Before Jesus, they were, the high priest could go into that area, into the Holy of Holies. But we have access to God. We have access to the throne of God. We can speak to God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That is amazing. That's why it says, with thanksgiving, be thankful. Be thankful just that you can go before God, that you can ask God what you want to ask him. Think about it. Think about this. Where is real peace found? 
right? Think about it. Real peace is found in the presence of God. If you're in the presence of God, when you go to heaven, these things aren't going to be a problem for you. I guarantee it. You're in the presence of God all the time. Where is, where is real peace found? In the presence of God. Prayer, think about this. These are deep theological thoughts. Prayer brings you into the what? The presence of God. So do you want real peace in your life? Spend time in prayer. Be in the presence of God. John chapter 14, verse 27 says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't worry, pray. Don't worry, pray. Rest in the presence of God. Get it? Good. Okay, we're going to do that. I'm going to stop. I want to take a minute. I want to stop. Some of you guys walk in here, walked in here this morning. You are burdened down, okay, with worries and concerns and anxiety and what about this relationship and what about this and who's coming for Christmas and all these kinds of things, what's going on in your life, what physical ailments you have, all those things that are all legitimate. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to put into practice what we're talking about. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want you to think about that relationship. I want you to think about what's going on in your life physically. I want you to think about what's going on in your life emotionally. I want you to think about what your concern is with the future. I want you to think about those things. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take them before God. I want you to pray. I want you to enter into his throne room. I want you to lay them at his feet. I want you to take a few, uh, just a minute, And instead of worrying about those things, instead of being anxious about those things, instead of being overwhelmed by those things, I want you to pray about those things. So do that. Just pray about those things right now. And here's the great thing. As you begin to think about those things and you you rest in those things as you begin to pray more about that it allows you to think about the things of God and that leads us to our to our third point to our third point we can experience real peace by meditating on what is holy in verse 8 it says this finally brothers whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent and praiseworthy think about such things see a remnant's mind is not is no longer enslaved to sinful thoughts okay random sinful thoughts we're not enslaved to 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 slavery to sin we are no longer controlled by the ideas the principles the practices of this world how they handle stress they don't handle it very well we are no longer controlled when we come to jesus christ we're no longer controlled by the ideas by the principles by the practices of this world Lay aside all of the, all their, the, the wisdom of this world, the Bible says, is foolishness. That's why they're so messed up most of the time, so overwhelmed, so stressed out, so filled with worry. Because they, outside of Christ, you cannot have this kind of peace. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind controlled by the Spirit of God is life is peace. God wants us to fill our hearts with his thoughts. Good, 
right, noble thoughts. He, he, wants us to, he wants us to think about. He wants us to meditate on what is pure and true and excellent. God wants us to think about those things. Push those other thoughts out of our minds. He wants us to dwell on him, his thoughts. You need to meditate on the word of God. You want to find true peace in your life? Meditate on the word of God. When we meditate on God's word, our lives are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're, we have new thoughts. The ideas of this world, the principles of this world, the, the precepts of this world, all of those things are pushed out. We renew our minds. We can have peace because our minds are being renewed day after day as we invest our minds, our thoughts on the word of God. I'm telling you, you, you say, oh yeah, you told me to pray, you told me to read my Bible, blah, blah, blah. You want peace? Uh, this is real simple, okay? If you, if you truly before God want peace and you're not just saying, well, I like peace, but I want God just to, I want him to download it into me. I want to feel peace. Now, you know, peace, Right? Some of you are older, understand that one completely. <laughs> it's not going to happen, okay? It doesn't happen that way. It happens as we surrender our lives to him, as we spend time in his presence, as we read his word and listen to him and allow his thoughts, allow his ideas, allow his principles and his precepts to be a part of our lives. Then we will find peace. I love this verse in Isaiah 26, 3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Love that truth. Number four, we can experience real peace by living out what we have learned. Verse nine says this, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Here at Grace Chapel, we say it this way, information plus application equals transformation. I can stand up here, and here's the saddest thing for a pastor. I learned this statistic, and I, I, I'm not sure if I wept, but I felt like weeping. By Wednesday, most of you will forget 90 to 95% of everything I said this morning, by Wednesday. Even sadder, I will forget 90 to 95% of what I said this morning. It's just our human brains. We forget. How do we, how do we avoid forgetting? Because this is huge. Can you imagine your life filled with peace and joy and contentment? This is huge. How do you do that? You apply what you learned. You apply it. You, 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 you learned it. You wrote some things down, the four points, and then you start applying that. You spend some time in prayer. You, do, you apply what you've learned. We need to apply what we are learning. Eleanor Roosevelt said this, and I love it. I'm sure she's talking about world peace, but I, I love this quote. It says, it isn't enough to talk about peace. One must believe in it. And it isn't enough to believe in it. One must work at it. Nothing worth having is easy, and that includes peace. Nothing in this world that is worth having is easy. Peace, if you truly want the peace of God in your life, we're going to have to apply what we are learning. It, listen, it's not easy to let go of the of the worries, if you will. It's not easy to let go of the cares and the worries of this world until you realize and you understand this world is not your home. 
We're consumed with this world. What's happening here? What are we going to get? How are we going to achieve? What are we going to do there? What am I gonna, how am I going to excel? What am I going to do? You're consumed. It's, it's difficult to let go of the cares of this world until you understand, until you realize this world, which the word of God tells us, is not our home. It's easy. It, I'm sorry, it is not easy to let go of those, the, if you will, the, 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 the deeper worries that we have, the things that burden us down until you realize this also. You are not in control of the things that are causing you to worry, right? You think, some of you think you are. Some of you will say, you'll nod with me. Yes, I am not in control of the things that cause me to worry. He, amen, say it, say, everybody say amen. amen. Yeah, and then you leave here and you think you're in control and that's why you're worried, Right? You still, can, you still try to control it. You try to control your relationships. You try to control the situation. You try to control the future. You, try to con- you can't control those things. It is difficult. It is extremely difficult to let go of the worries and cares of this world until you begin to realize from God's word and spending time with God that you are not in control of the things that cause you to do the most worrying. It is not easy to stop being anxious until you gain an eternal perspective, until you start walking through life with an eternal perspective and realizing, again, this world is not my home. I am not in control of all these things. God is in control of all things. And you have that eternal perspective that God will work out all things for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So even when things are not working out well, God will turn them around and use them to my advantage. That is an eternal perspective. It is not easy to let go of your anxiety until you have an eternal perspective. Perspective. Listen, we need to let go. You need to let go of the fantasy of control and realize that your life, my life, our lives, our future, they're all in the hands of God. Get it? Get it? Good. We need to understand that. We need to apply that to our lives. Let me close with this thought from A.W. Pink. So long as we are occupied with any other object than God himself, there will be neither rest for the heart nor peace for the mind. But when we receive all that enters our lives as from his hand, then no matter what may be our circumstances or surroundings, whether in a hovel or a prison dungeon or at a martyr's stake, we shall, en- he, we shall be enabled to say, the lines are fallen unto me at, in pleasant places, Psalm 16, 6. But that is the language of faith, not of sight. We need to believe with all of our hearts that God is in control. We need to enter into his presence in prayer. We need to trust him with those things that we feel most burdened by. We need to apply. We need to apply what we are learning. We need to think about the things of God. We need to renew our minds. I want you to bow your heads with me as we close here. Peace does not come from external changes. 
what happens on the outside. It, it, it flows from an inward transformation of the spirit of God in our minds and in our hearts. It comes when we find our hope in him. It comes when we put our trust in him. And God, we pray this morning that you would help every single one of us take this sermon and apply it to our lives. God, that we would, we would make a commitment before you to spend time in prayer instead of worry. To spend time applying instead of being anxious. To spend time in your word instead of feeling overwhelmed. May you renew our minds with your truth. May you change our way of thinking through your Holy Spirit. God, we want peace. We want joy. We want contentment in our lives, not just during this Christmas season, but in every season of our lives, the good, the bad, the up, the downs, Lord. We want peace in our lives at all times. We know that you have not laid this out as a carrot that we cannot achieve, that we cannot reach, but you, through your son Jesus Christ's death on the cross, through the power of your Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we have the ability to reach out and grasp this peace. We want it. Please give it to us. And Lord God, we will apply these things. We will apply these truths to our lives and live different. We are a remnant. We are a remnant. We are called by you. And we honor you and we praise you for giving us this gift in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great day and Merry Christmas.